This is Engage, a series for women in agribusiness from the Red River Farm Network. This series highlights leadership, career successes, and work-life priorities. The series is presented by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva AgriScience. I'm your host, Kara Hart. Joining us today is United Soybean Board CEO Polly Ruland. Oh, Kara, it's so good to talk to you again. It seems like not that long ago that we had our last podcast together, but uh, you were mentioning, I think it's three years ago now, and it time flies when you're having fun. It does, and that was the first season of our Engage podcast. You and I had the chance to visit. I think, Polly, you were gearing up to start a new role with the United Soybean Board. You had uh, spent many years leading the beef checkoff, and now you're leading the soy checkoff. And uh, I know the last time we talked, well, we talked about the future of the soybean industry, and I got to thinking about that today, too, um, with the export markets at that time being fabulous, technology continuing to improve yields, and uh, the board focusing on improving quality. Oh, gosh, a lot of things have happened in your first three years of leadership for USB. Um, how do you adapt to this time of change? You know, it, it, you, you're so right when you say that so much has changed. Uh, it is, uh, I could never have foreseen when I took this job that it was going to be as different as it was. Completely uh, unpredictable. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We have major trade disruptions. We've had weather disruptions. We've had, um, we'd have all kinds of things that are challenging that are making today's environment for soybean farmers so much more challenging than they were even three years ago. And in the face of all that, what can you do? What can you do but continue to try to find new markets for soybeans, continue to pull that demand through the chain? Because without demand, uh, if the demand dries up, that's when we have we have a problem on the supply side. So that's what we focus on every day, whether we're working in our home offices and our nose to the grindstone in that situation or uh, in a normal office and field environment that we were in three years ago, uh, it's certainly couldn't have been predicted. And it's not what it's not the three years I expected. I will say that. (laughs) So in times of adversity, that's when we typically have an opportunity to grow. And I wonder if you um, if there were things you'd learned in in these first three years of of and growing. How has these tough times helped you become a better leader? Oh, I, I think it's always the tough times that help you become a better leader. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes uh, you you grow so much more quickly when you're challenged. And these three years have been like that for me. Um, I have learned that probably flexibility in challenging environments is the most important thing that you can have. In other words, oh, that doesn't work. Let's try something else. Oh, that's not working. Let's try something else. And I can tell you right now, just recently, um, with all the lockdowns we've had, we had to have our July board meeting, 78 directors virtually. And that was something that none of the farmers on the board expected to ever do. That was something that the staff at USB never expected to um, facilitate. And it is uh, quite the facilitation job for, for a board that large in a meeting that important when you're approving all your programs and budgets. A lot of agriculture is in person, right? So that cha- that's oh. a change, too. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And agriculture likes to be in person, right? We really like that personal contact, that handshake. It's what we do. It's how we do business. So this is much different. I will say, though, uh, the survey that we did of our board members after the board meeting, a lot of them said, well, that was it's the highest praise. Well, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so 
I take that as great. Eager to hear how things continue to go as we shift to a, a new normal in ag. And maybe, Polly, also, where do you see the future of the soybean industry today? We've talked about a little bit on some of those changes with the, um, you know, the trade disputes um, and the COVID-19 pandemic. But where do you see the next five years for soybeans now that you're deep in it? Yeah, I, you know, one of the most important things I think we can do in the soybean business is to continue to take advantage of the extremely dynamic and flexible products we have in soybeans. I mean, we have our animal ag customers that are critically important to the future of soybeans. We can continue to find a bean, to look for a bean that serves them the best, that that increases uh, gut health in pigs, for example, that um, increases growth rates in poultry. We can find that natural renewable bean that replaces uh, synthetics in animal ration and that has a better effect on animal health than it ever has in the past. We're engaged in a lot of that research right now, trying to serve our animal customers even better than we have in the past. That said, uh, we are looking for new uses for soybeans all the time, be that replacing petrochemicals in asphalt or asphalt sealant or uh, tires from Goodyear or running soles on Skecher shoes. What else is going on at the United Soybean Board? We've had, we're at the end of a five-year long-range strategic plan right now, and so we're they're hot in the throes of a new long-range strategic plan, and that is always a very good time for an organization to step back and say, you know, what is our core function? How can we serve farmers best? How can we serve farmer, farmer profitability in the future? Uh, I know the word sustainability is some people love it, some people hate it. I'm one of those that loves it because I think it speaks not only to profitability, but it speaks to um, the dependability of the product in the future and the resilience of the business itself. Uh, And so I think as we go forward with this task force of farmers that is looking forward five years for the United Soybean Board, those farmers are really thinking about where are we going to be in five years? Where do we want to be in five years? How can we drive to those goals? And I think what they talk about is that we want to see soybeans in everything. You know, we want to make sure that we, that for example, petroleum as a maybe a foreign sourced um, non-renewable type of ingredient is replaced by domestic sourced, uh, reliable, readily available soybeans in a lot of things like the shoes that we mentioned. We also want to make sure that um, when we talk about our international markets, uh, and we've had such uh, such a such a difficult time with some of our international markets that the soy business in the U.S. relies upon so heavily, that we have worked over the last three years uh, in in strongly supporting new and emerging markets, um, Pakistan, Bangladesh, for example, markets that will serve us well today, but will serve us even better in the next five years and beyond. So those those couple of things, new markets, new uses, serving our animal customers better by making a better bean uh, and 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 um, other things that we haven't thought about yet, because our motto is innovation beyond the bushel. And we'll always think about innovative ways to use that bean and pull demand. I bet it's hard to think about a long-range strategic plan, and I keep going back to the dispute between the U.S. and China, but that was a really big deal. That's a really big piece of the last three years, um, getting a trade agreement put together and then shifting on a soybean scale from not having as much reliance on China as um, someone we export our beans to. Um, you know, I guess that's a part of it too, right? It sure is. I mean, it's a big part of it. 
The thing about uh, China is that even though it's been looking better, we realized even before we had this major trade disruption with China, uh, USB realized that we were so heavily invested in China that China was uh, a mature market, very profitable market, but a mature market for us. And that any good investment portfolio not only has investments uh, in in maturing type of markets like that, but also have, has investments at the beginning of the innovation pipeline or at the beginning of the market. So when I talk about um, Southeast Asia, for example, and I talk about the potential, you always want to have a balanced portfolio, right? You don't want to be over-invested in one place. So even before the China disruption started, USB had started to shift uh, investments away from China and into what we call emerging markets that are going to serve us for a longer time at a higher profitability rate than perhaps a mature market may. Now, does that mean China isn't critically important to U.S. soybean farmers? Absolutely, China is critically important. Absolutely, we want that market back just as soon as we can get it back and as strongly as we can. But we also want to look at other markets that will serve our children and our grandchildren just as well as China has served us in the past. How are you using your experience as leading farmers um, at the United Soybean Board to help other women in agriculture or the agribusiness sector right now? Really quite interesting. Diversity in agriculture, I think I've never seen in my in my 25 plus years in agriculture, I don't think I've seen a time when diversity is more important to agriculture um, that being a diversity of voices, be that female voices, ethnic, ethnically diverse voices, different farm sizes, different experiences, different regions. And the reason I say that is because two things. We are seeing a challenge, uh, a social license challenge in agriculture. The further the average person gets away from the farm, the less understanding there is about agriculture. Now, how do we combat that? Do we go to them and say, you know, agriculture is really important and you should like us because we're super important? Or do we say, how do we make this matter to an average consumer? How do we retain social license by an average consumer wanting to um, allow us to make their food? So social license, I think, is a, is a really important reason to increase diversity in agriculture. Another really important reason that I've talked to several companies about is our growing need for technical talent in agriculture, be that in the scientific realm or in, even just in the farming realm where agriculture is becoming more technical every day. We need technicians. We have traditionally sourced technicians from on-farm, kids that have been on the farm. We can't continue to do that. We have got to source agricultural scientists and agricultural technicians from a diverse population of kiddos. And that means interesting, uh, making kids interested in agriculture, not by telling them about agriculture and telling them how important we are, but by listening to their questions and solving their problems and filling their curiosity with solutions found in agriculture. I was looking through uh, the USB roster this morning, um, and according to my tally, and let me know if I got this right or not, Eight of the current 78 uh, USB farmer directors are women. And of those 78 USB directors, the majority that I could see were Caucasian. And did I get those numbers right? Is that right for the women USB directors? Yep. I think eight. Uh, yep, so that, that sounds about right. Yeah. How do we continue to get more diversity into ag leadership positions? You know, I think we have two, we have, uh, two challenges. Number one is for agriculture itself to realize that diversity is critically important. Um, for us to realize that when we look around a room and we see uh, the same faces that we see in the mirror, 
we need different kinds of faces and voices in that room. When agriculture as a whole realizes how critical it is that the decisions we make are influenced and informed by a variety of voices, we will move more quickly in that direction. The flip side of that is uh, as soon as we start uh, being more welcoming to those other voices, those other voices will start to um, come to us and say, listen, I see that you really value my opinion. I see that you really want me in the room with you. How can I help you? How can I serve you like you serve other farmers? So it's twofold. It's partially less of an internal focus in agriculture and more of an external focus to what we're familiar with. And it's also partially folks getting interested in agriculture that may have never considered it as as a field or as an interest just because they haven't had the exposure. Anything else you want to say to the next generation of women leaders in agriculture that maybe we didn't cover, Polly? Just that I always remember in my own in my own mind, I had a chairman at the Beef Board that really was one of those first women, just pioneering women in uh, in agriculture. And I've been so grateful to those women that I know. Uh, younger women, I would say, listen, those of us who are a little bit older now, we want to help you. We want to see you succeed. We want to talk to you and we want to mentor you. So if we're not doing as good a job as we could be at reaching out, don't be afraid to reach out to us and say, uh, I need some help or I need some advice or can we just get together for, well, what now is a virtual cup of coffee uh, and, and just talk about how we can do better. And, and I think things will continue to get better. I don't know that you would have seen eight women on the soybean board, you know, 10 years ago or longer ago. Uh, and, and I hope we see more diverse voices, not just women, but lots of diverse voices in a lot of ways on the board in the future. Once again, we've been visiting with United Soybean Board CEO Polly Ruland. Engage, a series for women in agribusiness, is presented by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva AgriSciences. Check out more episodes at rrfn.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.